all have legitimate needs which must be supplied for us to live and fulfill our responsibilities. Today, we're learning how to communicate these needs to God. This message is the sixth in the series, The Way to Pray. The message is entitled, Tell God Your Needs. Here is Pastor Dalo Shields. You can go and turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is where we are today, and we're continuing our summer series together called The Way to Pray. I want to talk to you this morning about telling God about your needs. I'm not sure about you. I have really enjoyed the summer series on prayer. Anybody with me on that? It's been a good summer series together, and we're not quite done yet. We have several other messages, actually, I believe three more messages in the series that will conclude it as we wrap up through the month of August together, so stay with us through that. I'm also very excited about what we'll do going into September. I believe that God has placed an important series in my heart. We're going to talk about some fresh times with God, some fresh things that God wants to do in your life, and so the title of our series beginning in the fall will be Fresh. Anybody need some fresh stuff from God? Well, it's going to be a fresh time, so I'm just really excited about what's going on in the days to come and God's work here in your life and in the life of our church. We're talking about the the Jesus way to pray. How do we pray the right way? During Jesus' ministry, one of the things that he did often was he was, a, he was a prayer warrior. He was a man that prayed, and his disciples watched him pray. They saw him go alone at times and talk to his father. They observed him in different situations where he was encountering need and how Jesus would pray and miracles would come. Things would happen. God would answer. And, of course, the disciples were intrigued by this capacity that Jesus had to have fellowship with his Father and to talk to his Father, to get answers from God in ways that were incredible. And so one day, one of these disciples approached Jesus with a question, actually with a request. He said, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? I believe that question came out of his observations of Jesus' prayer life. He wanted to learn how to pray the Jesus way. Jesus, I want to learn how to pray the way you pray so that I can see you work in my life the way God works in your life. And so, Jesus, would you teach us, your disciples, how to pray? And Jesus said, yes, I I will. I want you to pray like this. And he gave us what we often refer to as the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, most of us at some point in time memorize that prayer. Maybe you learned it in Sunday school. Maybe your parents taught you this prayer. Maybe your grandparents taught it to you. Somewhere along the line, most people learn what we call the Lord's Prayer. When Jesus gave this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, was it simply a prayer for recitation? Was it a prayer to use in worship liturgy? Was it a prayer that we are simply to recite when things are going badly and we want some kind of prayer to pray? Were these just simple words that Jesus gave that said, hey, memorize this and use it whenever you need to, sort of as a plastered prayer over anything? I don't believe that's what Jesus was doing. In fact, while it is important, I believe, for us to memorize the prayer, and I do believe it's important for us to pray that prayer. I do pray it myself many, many times. But I believe it's more than just a prayer that you recite. I believe that Jesus meant it to be a prayer that gives us principles, prayer principles, because Jesus said this before he taught us the model prayer. He said to that disciple, this then is how you should pray. He didn't say this then is what you should pray. He said, this then is how you should pray. This is a 
pattern. Here's a set of principles. Here's some guide posts along the, the journey of prayer in your life. And learn these guide posts. Our Father which art in heaven. Start in prayer with an understanding that this is not religion. It's relationship. That you have to have a relationship with a Father. You have to know Him as the Father of your life. The Heavenly Father who loves you. And you do that by faith in the Son, Jesus Christ. And then you, you pray to honor God's name. How low it be your name. And you can't honor the name of God unless you know something about His name. So that's why we took some time in this series to talk about who God is. What, what is His name? And how does the Bible refer to the various names of God? And what does that tell us about the nature and the character of God? And then He said, pray like this. Pray that God's kingdom would come and His will would be done on earth just like it is in heaven. That just as God is, is ruling always at all times in heaven... And just as God's will is always done perfectly in heaven, pray that His rule, that is His kingdom, His rule, His authority, and His will will be done in earth, starting with you, not starting out there, but starting inside of you. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. It starts on the inside of you. And so pray that God will rule your life the territory of your life, and that God's will will be done. And we talked last weekend about giving God that blank sheet of paper that every week and every day, I should say, that we go to Him. We present Him that blank sheet of paper saying, God, may Your kingdom come. May Your will be done. Lord, You fill the paper out. I, I don't want to put my will down. I don't want You to bless what I want. I want to find out what You want for my life and live it out faithfully. And now we come to perhaps one of the most popular parts of the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray in verse number 11, Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. He said, now you can pray this prayer. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. It's a prayer that relates to needs in your life. And that's something that all of us can identify with because all of us have needs. Just to make sure we're on the same page this morning, how many of you have some kind of need in your life right now? Raise your hand. Okay, that's about half of you. The other half must be sufficient, well taken care of. So the first half, go meet the second half after church. They will help you, all right? No, we all have some kind of need. Give us today our daily bread. Meet the needs that we have in our lives. And I believe one of the most vulnerable prayers that you can ever pray to God, if you understand it well, is this very prayer. Give us today our daily bread. Because when you move in a relationship to the place where you can verbalize and make vulnerable your needs, your relationship has gone to another level. In a human dimension, oftentimes we withhold the needs of our life from other people because we're not quite sure we can trust them with the expression of our needs, what we really need. And so you know that a relationship is developing in terms of communication by the capacity you have to open up vulnerably to another one, another person and say, let me tell you about my needs. And so this is not just a give me passage. This is a relationship passage as well. It's talking about us opening up to God where we really hurt hurting on the inside of the things that we have need of in our own lives, our own experiences, and beyond that, and the world around us. So today I want to talk to you about seven things that you need to remember when you pray that simple little prayer, give us today our daily bread. Say it with me, give us today our daily bread. You will never pray this prayer effectively without understanding these seven things. First of all, you have to see God as your source. You have to see that God is, is a source for every need in your life. Now, source is where something comes from. Obviously, we understand that, that understanding of the word. 
And when you're praying for your needs to be met, when you approach God with this prayer, give us today our daily bread, you're understanding, or at least you should understand, that you're going to God as the primary or true source in your life. You're acknowledging that above and beyond any other source, He is your ultimate source. You're saying, you know what? It's not really my employer that is my source. It's not my friends that are my source. It's not my spouse that is my source, but it is God who is my source. And when you begin to look beyond your employer and beyond your friends and beyond your spouse to meet all the needs in your life, and you begin to look toward God, it is a freeing moment for you. Because there are a lot of things your employer can never do for you, and there are a lot of things your friends will never be able to do for you, and a lot of things that your spouse will never be able to do for you, but God is able to do all things for you, okay? And so who is your source? God is your source. And so when Jesus spoke these words, he said, pray like this, give us today our daily bread. He was teaching this to the disciples, and these disciples were of Jewish orientation, Jewish descent. And they understood this in a way that maybe you and I would not initially understand it. Immediately their mind would have gone back to the stories they heard from their forefathers about the time when Israel was wandering around in the wilderness. They came out out of Egypt as slaves being set free on the way to the promised land. And of course, they are now going to be delayed for 40 years of wandering in the promised land because of unbelief. And when you're in the wilderness and you're wandering around in a desert, you need food. And they learned something about God in that wilderness wandering. God said, I'm going to take care of you every day, but here's how you must do it. Every morning you get up and go out and you will find something that I have provided. It is daily bread. It is daily sustenance. It is something called manna. God didn't call it manna. The people called it manna. Why did they call it manna? Because the Hebrew term for manna means what is it? They had no idea what it was. All they knew is that God provided it for them every day. And so when Jesus said, pray this prayer, give us today our daily bread, they were helping, they they were understanding that God was their ultimate source. And what I want you to understand in your life today as well, that God is your source. As surely as He was the source for the children of Israel and the wilderness, as surely as He was the source for the disciples that Jesus talked to and taught that day, Jesus is your source also the source of your life. You need to see Him as your source. Number two, you need to believe in God's abundance. It's not just enough to see Him as your source, but you have to believe that God has an abundant supply. I want to make an announcement today in case you don't know this. God has never been and never will be bankrupt. God has never had a a, 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 a scarcity in heaven. There's never been a moment when God said, wow, we're running low. Be careful. Watch how you're answering prayers because we don't have very much right now. There's never been that moment in heaven because heaven is a place of abundance. And when you pray, God wants you to come to Him as the Heavenly Father with an abundance mentality. Would you say that phrase with me? With an abundance mentality. Come on, say it again with me. An abundance mentality. Now, this is very different. You might, you might easily sort of dismiss this and say, well, yeah, I understand that. Let me, let me challenge you. Say, do you really understand it? Because quite often, instead of praying with an abundance mentality, we pray with what I would call a, a poverty perspective. 
we sort of wonder how much God has to give and is He willing to do it. We sort of view God as having limited resources and, and even being somewhat like Scrooge when He, dismisses, when he dis- dispenses them to people. You sort of have to beg God. He has like this limited supply. And so if you really beg hard, maybe you'll get something out of this miser up in heaven. That's the mentality oftentimes that people have toward God. And by the way, this is an affront to the nature of God. One of the things that I always want to be known for as a person, I want to be known as a generous person. How about you? I don't want anybody to say, oh, that guy, he's a miser. That guy, he's just so stingy. I don't want that to be attached to me. I want, when people think of my name, I want them to think of my name associated with generosity. Anybody want to have the same uh, reputation in your own life? I want to be known as a generous person. And if somebody says something about me contrary to that, it would hurt my feelings. If I had the idea that someone thought about me as being less than generous, it would be an affront to my character, an affront to my nature. It would, be, it would hurt me. And the same is true when you and I approach God with a poverty perspective, when we approach God in some kind of mindset that He's a Scrooge up in heaven, barely wanting to do anything for His people, that is an affront to the very nature of God. It hurts God's heart because he is a God of abundance. I want you to see what the Apostle Paul said about God and what he's, what he's, what he's like in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 8. In fact, why don't you read it together with me? Let's all read aloud and loudly. Here we go. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, have you noticed in that verse some very powerful words. God is able to do what? He has all the capacity to bless you, but not just to do it in limited measure, but how? Abundantly. Notice this, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will, what's the next word there? Abound in every good work. I like that verse. How about you? That sounds like a God who has enough. It sounds like a God who has plenty. It sounds like a God who wants to pour out upon us abundantly and allow us to abound. Now, that's contrary to the mindset of many people. It's oftentimes also misunderstood by people. It's not just talking here about money. God doesn't want to just bless you with money. There are certain things in life that go way beyond money, things that money could never buy you. But there's a blessed life that goes beyond just your financial realm. It's the blessing of living in fellowship with God. It's the blessing of abounding in the peace of God and abounding in the joy of God and abounding in good relationships and abounding in the peace that can only come by walking out that relationship with God day by day. There are all kind of blessings that God wants to pour into your life abundantly so that you will abound in every good work. That's an abundant God. Amen? Notice Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, and my God, Paul says, he had this personal relationship with God. He knew who he was. My God will meet all your needs according to the, what's the word there? Riches. You ought to circle that word, the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So we need to believe in the abundance of God. God has plenty. Amen? Number three, you need to believe in God's goodness. When you pray that prayer, give us today our daily bread. You say, God, you're my source. I know you have an abundance, and I believe that you're good. I believe that you're a good God. God is delighted to meet your needs. He is. He's delighted to meet your needs. 
It is not a burden to God to meet your needs. And the reason that God wants to meet your needs is because of His nature, His character, as we talked about a moment ago. God is a good God. He is full of mercy. He is full of grace. He enjoys taking care of those that belong to Him. Just like a good parent enjoys taking care of uh, uh, their children. God, as the good Heavenly Father, enjoys, takes pleasure in taking care of us because He is good. Take a look at what Jesus said about this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. And just listen as I read this. These are the words of Jesus. If you, he's talking to people like us, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus said, hey, you guys in relationship and in comparison to God, you're evil, okay? I mean, you can't be as good as God is. But even as evil as we are as human beings, we enjoy giving good gifts to our children, don't we? I can't think of any greater pleasure than to give something to one of my children or grandchildren and to see the smile that comes on their face when I give it to them. I love that. I would rather, I actually would rather do that than have them give me something. It brings me a greater joy to bring smile to the face of my, my, one of my daughters or sons-in-law or one of my grandchildren. It brings greater joy when I give them something that blesses them than for me to receive something. It is more blessed to give than receive because it's, 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 it's a great privilege to do so. But the Bible says if we being evil in comparison to God know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will the heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? So the promise is God says, I am a good God and I want to give you good gifts. He does what He does because He is who He is. Let me say it again. He does what He does because He is who He is. So God says, I have some good gifts for you. Let me talk about that little phrase, good gifts, for a moment. Good gifts. What is a good gift? A good gift is a gift that is good for you. Let me say it again. A good gift is a gift that is good for you. Even as a parent, if I want to give a good gift to my children, before I give them that gift, I have to ask the question, is this gift going to be, come on, help me, good for them? If I have something good I want to give them, but when I give it to them, it's going to do something detrimental to them, would I be good to give something good that's going to be destructive to them? You following it there? So a good gift is a gift that is good to the person receiving it. That's why God doesn't always give you everything you ask for. Because sometimes what you're asking for, it may even be a good thing, but it may not be good for you right now. It may not be good for you ever, okay? Because God knows you. He knows what's going to wreck your life. He knows what's going to make you the best or the worst. And so when you approach God, you approach Him with this confidence. God is good and He wants to give good gifts. But the qualifying element of a good gift is that when it's given, it has to be good for the person receiving it. And so don't get upset with God when God doesn't give you everything you ask for. Sometimes the goodest thing, excuse, excuse the use of that word, but the goodest thing that God can do for you is to say no to you. Amen? 
There are times my kids ask me for stuff, and I said no, because that's my job as a parent, at least once a day, to say no to something, okay? If you're a parent, you haven't learned how to say no, practice it with me right now. Here we go. Say, your children need to hear you say no, because everything they ask for is not good for them. Everything they ask for is not going to be beneficial to them. Everything they ask for is not going to be in line with the development of their character as it needs to be developed. And so sometimes the the, the goodest thing that you can do for one of your children is to say no. And so that's when we come to God and say, God, when I'm asking you for something, I know that you will always give me good gifts, which means what you give me will always be good for me. And so even when God says no, you can say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I will tell you that when you can say, you can praise God as vociferously over a no as a yes, it's a great day in your spiritual journey. Amen? That was a pitiful amen, but we're going to move on to the fourth point. Number four, to pray this prayer effectively, give us today our daily bread. You have to focus on today. Give us this day, today our daily bread. God wants to be involved in your life every day. Give us today our daily bread. Our tendency is to always live out there, isn't it? Well, what about tomorrow, okay? What about next week? What about next month? Uh, A week or so ago, I had the opportunity of taking my my two grandsons uh, out for an afternoon to hang out together. And, uh, and, and they, they wanted to spend the night with us. And so they said, Papa, can we spend the night at your house tonight? And I said, well, yeah, you can spend the night in my house. And immediately what happened as soon as I said, well, they can spend the night. Well, Papa, if we spend the night tonight at your house, does that mean we can't spend the night next week at your house? Okay. Well, what, so we, went, we go through this, this long conversation about whether tonight was going to negate next week sometime. If I said, look, Elijah, forget it. Look, tonight, tonight you can spend the night and let's worry about next week, next week. Anybody ever heard God tell you something like that? Okay. Let's don't worry about what's going to happen. What's this, what, you, you, we take one day at a time and kids are notorious about wanting to project out but we in the same way as as adults we do the same kind of thing and so Jesus brings us back and says I want you to pray this prayer understand that God wants to take care of your provisions daily let me show you why this is important because do you believe that God has a plan for your life every day I do every day I believe that God has a purpose that he wants me to fulfill The very reason that I have breath means that I have a purpose. And by the way, as long as you're breathing, you have a purpose. As long as you have breath, you have a purpose. You want to know, does God have any purpose for me? Are you breathing? Yes, okay? As long as you're breathing, there's a purpose for your life. And every day has purpose. But you need resources to fulfill your purpose for every day. Because the best tomorrows will happen when you live your today the right way. 
See, people that are always worrying about tomorrow and never focusing on today, they always are out somewhere. They never get where they need to be because faithfulness today, resourcing today, is what sets you up for a successful tomorrow. And so Jesus said, get your mind off of everything way out in the future and remember that it's all about getting resources for your today. Live with that in mind. Listen to his words in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 31. Jesus expounds on this concept of daily trusting God. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first. Everybody say first. What does first mean? I looked it up. I searched it in the Greek. First means this. Very significant. It means first. Okay. Seek first the kingdom of God, His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, read it with me, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I'll add something else there. I believe it certainly can be applied as well. Each day has enough opportunity of its own as well. Amen. Enough trouble and enough opportunity. Number five. You pray these words, give us today our daily bread. You need to be specific when you ask. Specific when you ask. Ask specifically for what you need. Daily bread. Notice it was specific, right? Daily bread. Daily bread. It's talking about a specific, a very, very focused perspective. You need to come to God saying, this is what I'm aware of in my life that I have need of. Now, Let me see if I can help you to understand this, and then we'll look at Philippians chapter 4 in just a moment. Inside of all of us every day, we have a list running, whether we realize it or not. We have stuff that we're concerned about. And in many instances, we're actually worried about. How how am I going to take care of that today? And, wow, what's going to happen over here today? And, boy, what do I need to do there? And, boy, I need to go to the store and get this. I have all these thoughts. Anybody can identify. You have stuff. Every day you wake up, there's all kind of stuff running through your head, right? All kind of things that are playing around inside of you. Oftentimes, you're not even fully conscious of all the things you're caring about, okay? That's a key word, that you're carrying and caring about inside of you. And many of those are causing, whether you realize it or not, they're causing worry inside of you, anxiety. Because you're tracking out, you're wondering how it's going to turn out, where is this going to go, how am I going to handle this, what's going to happen next. All these things are coming around in your head. And they begin to rob you, whether you realize it, of your peace and your joy. And it moves you into this sort of frantic mindset, a stressful orientation to life, right? Anybody can identify Anybody been there at least once in your life, correct? Shake your head, good, okay, you got it. Now, Jesus said, when you pray, give us today our daily bread, you need to get inside your head and bring out those things that you are concerned about so you can get them before God and tell Him about them so that you can release them to Him and not carry them yourself. That's what Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 is all about. I want you to read this one together with me. It's a very powerful passage. I love the Living Bible paraphrase of this. It gets right to the core. So I want this to be, this is a word of God to you today. If you don't get anything else out of today's message, I want you to get this. Let's read it together. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank Him for His answers. If you do this, 
you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. I thought about what part of that passage I could have you to underline, and I just think you need to underline the whole thing. You need to highlight the whole thing. Listen to it again. Don't worry about anything. Did you hear what God said? Let those words sink into your heart today. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs. Well, it sounds pretty similar to what Jesus said. Give us today our daily bread. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank Him for His answers. When do you thank Him? When the answer comes or before the answer comes? Before. If you do this, if you do what? If you pray about everything and worry about nothing, okay? If you tell God your needs, if you thank Him for the answers, if you do this, you will experience something that everybody wants. Everybody wants peace. Just give me a little peace. If we can just have some peace in this house. Everybody wants some peace. Well, the Bible says if you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts, your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. What does this mean? It means this. As you start your day with God, give us today our daily bread. You you take a moment and you say, God, i got to tell you about the stuff that I'm worried about. I've got some things that are causing some anxiety in my head today. I'm worried about how this event's going to transpire, how this meeting's going to happen, and how I'm going to take care of that bill. And I'm worried about my son going through this situation or my daughter facing that or whatever it might be. And God, now I want to bring all those things out. I want to pull out my worry list and turn my worry list into a prayer list and tell you all of my needs and specifically lay them before you. Let's go to the next point together. Number six, do your part by obeying. You can't pray, give us today our daily bread, if you're not really willing to do what God asks you to do in your life. I've noticed over the years in the study of the Bible, I'm sure that many of you, if if you've been a student of the Bible as well, will realize this also, that many of the promises of God are linked to conditions. God says, if you do this, I'll do that. If you obey, then I will bless. And blessing is always oftentimes associated with obedience. And if you want the release of blessing in your life, you have to make some choices to obey. You have to say, now I'm going to do my part. Malachi 3, verses 10 through 12. One of the things that we're often concerned about in our lives is the the provision of financial and material needs. Notice what the Bible says. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent, here's a promise, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. This is a principle to say, okay, God, I want the flow of your blessing into my life. So now to start that flow, I'm going to prime the pump by by showing that I have obedience and faith in you. That's called the tithe. We bring our first 10% to God and give it to Him. And I've learned over the years as my wife and I have practiced this. I started practicing this when I was a little kid, actually. 
actually. And I've learned over the years that you can, be, you, you can live off of 90% better than you can 100%, okay? Because I would much rather have 90% with God's blessing than 100% trying to do it on my own, amen? And you say, well, I want God to bless me. Okay, are you willing to take the step of faith and do what God asks you to do, okay? If you do this, then I will do that. See, it's not just all on God. God says, okay, I'm willing to bless you, but I want you to see, see you stepping out and doing something that communicates that you really do trust me. You really are willing to obey me. Luke 6, 38, give. It will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. What's the very first word in that passage? Give. So you want to get the flow started? What do you have to do? You got to give, okay? And so if you're not willing to give, you're not, you can't claim the promises of all the following uh, blessings that come there. And so again, it's an initiative on your part, something you have to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse number 6, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. I mean, this is not rocket science. Ask any farmer. They understand this. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God, notice this, is able to do what? Notice the blessing comes on the heels of us doing what? Taking the initiative, us giving. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So do your part by obeying God. Last thing here, number seven, when you pray this prayer, give us today our daily bread. Make sure that you remember the needs of others. I want you to look closely at what Jesus said. I'm going to show you how we pray it and how Jesus wanted us to pray it. Jesus' words, give us today our daily bread. How we normally translate that when we pray is we translate it and it sounds more like this. Give me today my daily bread. Jesus didn't say, pray, give me today my daily bread. He said, give us today. What's the word? Do you understand that us and our are plural? They involve other people, okay? Do you know something? You're not the only person in the world with needs. Sometimes you wake up in the morning and say, oh, look at all the needs I have. Well, stop. Just take a moment. Think about some other people just for a little bit. I'll tell you what that will do for you alone, just thinking about the needs of other people. That will start a praise service going on in your life immediately, okay? Because you'll begin to praise God for the blessings that you do have. And so Jesus said, when you pray this prayer, don't, don't focus it just on you. It's not just about you. Yes, you have needs, and yes, you can come to me with your needs, but move beyond a prayer that is just including what you need. Think about the needs of other people. And it's very important that we create in our lives what I would call prayer list. Prayers that we're praying for other people. Do you have a prayer list? Do you have a group of people that you pray for that go beyond you? I'm not talking about just you and your family. That's wonderful. It's important to pray that. But how about other people beyond that, that little world that is your world? Somebody that comes along to you at the office and they're going through a tough time and you say something like this, well, I'll be praying for you. Do you pray for them? Or you meet somebody at church and they say, would you pray for me? Oh, yeah, brother, I'll be praying for you. And you never think about it again. I'm not saying that to condemn anyone. We've all done that, haven't we? Okay. 
But part of what Jesus wants to help us to do is in our, in our world of prayer is to begin to bring other people into our world of prayer. To find, now you can't pray for everybody and you can't pray for every need. But I will tell you something, God will uniquely burden you to pray for the needs he's called you to pray for if you'll open up your heart and be willing to let him place his burden for other people on your heart. Because God wants, listen closely to me, this is going to help somebody today. God wants to use you to birth things in other people. You got that? Okay. God wants to use you to bring miracles to other people. I hope you're getting this, all right? And when you and I fail to pray, when you and I fail to, in fact, Samuel said to Saul, I, I don't want to sin by failing to pray for you. And oftentimes, one of the worst things that we can do in terms of our relationship building is to fail to pray for the people that God places in our life. So Jesus said, pray this prayer, not give me today my daily bread, but give us our daily bread. And I've learned something as well. When you start including the us and others in your prayers, you get a hold of the heart of Jesus. And when you get a hold of the heart of Jesus, Jesus loves to bless people who have his heart. Amen? Are you learning something about prayer? What have we learned today? We learned that to pray the prayer, give us today our daily bread. We've got to see God as our source. We've got to believe in God's abundance. We've got to believe in God's... We've got to focus on today. We've got to be specific when we ask. We've got to do our part by obeying, and we need to also do what? Remember the needs of others. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. Take this lesson that we learned together. Seal it deeply in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Hi, I'm Pastor Dale O'Shields. I want to thank you for listening to our broadcast of Practical Living. I trust it was a blessing to you, and I trust that you're growing in your spiritual journey. Or perhaps you've never even started your spiritual journey. And today, this is your opportunity to make a decision to move forward, getting to know Jesus Christ, letting Him have control of your life. See, the Bible says of Jesus that He stands at the door and knocks. And if anyone will hear His voice, you can open that door and let Him in. And if you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, today is the day that you need to do it. In fact, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. If you'll pray this prayer sincerely with all your heart, mean it with all your heart, Jesus Christ will come into your life. Repeat this prayer after me. Say these words. Say, Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I'm sorry for all the things I've done wrong in my life. I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior of the world, that you died for me and rose again. Just simply tell Jesus, I believe in you. Now open up your heart and say, Jesus, come into my life. By faith, I receive you as my Savior, my Lord, in Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me just then, sincerely, I want you to know something. Jesus heard it, and He saved you. You're a new creation in Christ. You get a brand new start in your journey with God. But now you have to grow. You have to learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus every day. And so we want to help you get started. And we have some resources available on our website that will do so called New Beginnings. So check them out. And again, I want to thank you for being a part of today's broadcast. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings.